So this is supposed to be an interactive session on practices of integral yoga. And the reason why I have kept it as interactive is not very far to understand. It's because it's a post-lunch session. <laughs> and being a practical person, the only way one can keep awake after lunch is if there is an interaction. <laughs> of course, there is always a choice to sleep, provided we don't snore too loud. <laughs> so when we come to practices, uh, um, you know, we often think about reading a book, going to someone, learning something. My personal, I have certain personal uh, take on this, especially my concerns are when money is charged to teach a practice. And I'll tell you why I have uh, issues with this. Because if there is a practice which is good for all of us, we should be just honest to share it. There should be no secret about it. And if there is an adhikar, yes, I understand, certain practices cannot be learned by everybody because of the readiness and preparation. Now, signing up for it with money cannot be a sign of being an adhikari. In ancient times, when we look at you know people who went for initiation and practices, what was asked was not uh, how much money you can pay up. So if you pay up this much money, I'll teach you more deeper degrees. Because it's a, a, by itself a contradictory thing. The readiness is not measured by that. And the readiness is necessary. There is no doubt about it. But by some other ingredients. When we walk through life, it is a preparation for a more intense yoga. How we deal with life. There is a very interesting story which the mother speaks of that there is a boy called Yusuf and he wants to gain higher knowledge. So he goes to his master and says, I want to have the higher knowledge. And master says, alright, I will give you the higher knowledge, but please do me a work. Of course, yes, that's all that is required. Those were days when yoga was practiced in its purity. Modern Master would have said, okay, you want higher knowledge? Please deposit a check for $2,000 into my account and you will get the higher knowledge. But those were days when there was truth and sincerity in this practice. So he said, okay, you want higher knowledge? Do me an errand. Take this box and take it to the village on the other side of the river where there is another master and please give him this box. He says, okay, fine, that's all that is required. He said, yes, if you do that, I'll give you the higher knowledge. All right. So as he's about to leave, the master tells him only one thing. Okay, just hold on. See to it that don't open the box. Don't try to see what's inside it. Now you see what happens when you say don't. <laughs> Life, if you reduce it to do's and don'ts, don'ts draw us more. Don't. So he goes. Anyways, as he is going, he is wondering what could be inside this box. It's pretty light. It's not really... Uh, something is there which is like... Maybe as I move the box, it moves. But I can't... What could be there? The master has not even locked it to make it worse. So you see, the temptation is really very high. Then he thought, thinks, what is there after all? If I see it, then I will quickly close it. Master isn't going to know what I have done. So my curiosity will also be satisfied. I would have given him, I will give the box. I would have completed the errand anyways. Only this clause which is written in underscore that I will be not following fully. So when again he thinks that there is nobody around. A great illusion of our life is that there is nobody around. <laughs> there is always that someone around. <laughs> You know, it's a great knowledge to know that there is someone around. It's something very beautiful. It can change our life. To know that we don't walk alone, but the divine walks with us. It's only people who are all the time busy doing all kinds of stupid things that they don't want somebody around. 
बट एक्चुअली दे इज समबडी अराउंड यू विल स्टॉप अस फ्रॉम डूइंग स्टूपिड थिंग्स सो इट्स वंडरफुल सो ही ओपन्स द बॉक्स एंड देयर इज अ लिटिल माउस इन इट व्हिच सडनली पॉप्स आउट एंड रन्स नाउ ही ट्राइज टू कैच बट यू नो माउस इज अ माउस ही हैज अ इंस्टिंक्ट ही फील्स वेरी बैड एंड ही कम्स बैक डिसहार्टेंड दैट आई एम सॉरी मास्टर आई मेस्ड इट अप आई कुंड डू दिस सिंपल अरेंड master tells him you can't do this simple errand and you want higher knowledge how you are you going to keep it if you can't keep the mouse so there is a preparation that goes on in life if you really look at life very carefully there is a very nice line we read in the morning spiritual thought is crammed in nature's books earth is a document it's a veda if you look very carefully we'll discover many things which are so wonderful just one example you know in life we so but before we start the moment we talk about practice we think of something exclusive something other divine is everywhere he embraces whole life and every moment of our life is a practice if you really look at very sincerely and honestly and sometimes this idea of cutting life into two halves or 10 halves is not a healthy thing because that's not how it unfolds it unfolds organically through the most seemingly insignificant activities we may be sitting in meditation and doing nothing whereas we may be walking through life and growing so much more powerfully and divine may disclose himself in countless ways so just to take it an example you know there is this little bee and a little fly and what is the difference between the two the bee goes all over but it's focused on the honey it draws the honey anywhere it goes and the flower may be full of thorns it may be in you know or there may be all kind of dump yard around but it will reach out to the honey inside the flower and draw it what is the fly uh, what is the fly do you may have beautiful flowers around but it looks for trash you have a cut on the hand it'll reach out because it wants to it is in love with that do we need a book to understand what our relationship should be like when we deal with people we can be in this world we can be like the bee bring out the best it's it's, it's not a joke shobindo writes in one of his aphorisms what is the rule of divine living he gives one single line to turn all things to honey interestingly in one of the upanishads the psychic being is described as the eater of the honey why it is the eater of the honey it goes anything everybody you will learn something or the other and so beautiful life becomes like so many divine attributes of course covered with a heap of trash and mud and dust it's okay but if we attend to that you know there is a very even as the age of religion is passing shobindo notes the uh, each religion has helped mankind save a number of souls and he gives the example of paganism he gives hinduism he gives um, christianity judaism islam and he says that it will be very nice if all these god visions could unite together but cult egoism and this idea of creed they keep away this they, they won't allow to unite so there is something we are constantly learning and growing from everything and if you look at life like that we don't need to read a book actually if we are seeking the core element of this yoga is this seeking you know the most momentous the moment aha moment of discovery of human technology is not the nuclear power but it's that first fire which lit up by rubbing the stones it changed the entire course of human history man would have been eaten up by the animals around but the moment he lit the fire all the animals wondered this is something we can't handle we don't know what it is how did they do it and they started keeping away from this gross fire there came out chemical combustion this combustion then eventually solar energy nuclear energy fission and fusion all this came up from this discovery because there was a possibility inside matter of fire 
this fire is given to us it burns but just like that initial that uh, with great difficulty you know olden time they used to rub the uh, two stones and after much rubbing few sparks will come then you put it near something inflammable and it would catch some fire and you have to make the best of that moment otherwise it's gone so all of us are given this fire but it burns very low we read narad read it that line in savitri but dim in human hearts the ascending fire it's a given thing to us this seeking this aspiration is a gift of grace to every human being its counterpart which is equally a grace is in perpetual dissatisfaction with what is we are programmed to progress and if we didn't have this blessing of misfortune we would remain stuck in the mud where we are so there is a great blessing that we are made to seek constantly and even when we go to mars there is another planet exoplanet or maybe another solar system around the same thing with within there is a constant urge in human beings to progress this fire is the core of yoga it's not about doing this or doing that sitting in meditation in this posture concentrating on the heart in this way or that way god knows literally he knows that i am seeking him <laughs> this is another part of it his responsibility he draws us inside <laughs> and you can't help but be drawn to that right spot if there is a seeking because that's where he is now imagine somebody who is worried about oh is it the right spot am i a little to the right <laughs> maybe a little to the left oh let me consult a book what did alok bhai say did he say here or there we lost it because it's all in the mind going on whereas if we sit with the simple trust that he whom i am seeking is seeking me with much greater vigor he is only too keen to let the veil go except that if the veil goes prematurely we land up with someone like me a psychiatrist and then you know uh, what's gone wrong so that's why he allows the veil to stay for some time slowly prepares us so these long practices are basically a preparation and the preparation is not going on when we are sitting in the practice but when we are walking in the middle of life and then the veil one day gets torn strangely not necessarily in a particular ashrama it happens in the midst of life look at the gita why i like this scripture as something so remarkable and wonderful that is given on the battlefield god is there in the midst of all this carnage and destruction of a whole humanity and he is there and he is just waiting for that moment when we'll turn to him and say i need your guidance and help but we are too self sure of our books and our knowledge of our mind of our analysis that one thing we have stopped doing is to simply pray prayer with the heart you know these two movements go together aspire aspire need not be with words it's a seeking or if we cannot aspire or if we need some words pray this is something given to man it's a tremendous gift to be able to formulate with clarity our aspiration in the form of a prayer it's a unique gift which we don't use simply because very often it's a pride of the mind it's a kind of an arrogance which prevents us from doing this simple act of course by prayer i don't mean reading a prayer and memorizing it it's too boring for god if you go to him with a set prayer he says i have heard this so many times you don't mean it <laughs> if i grant you this then you know you come up with something which you really mean this kind of a bond this relation to be formed with the divine through prayer through aspiration this is what is needed so this fire which is given to us is the fire of aspiration and the core practice of shurabindo's yoga is aspiration it starts with aspiration and when this aspiration will be lit up we don't know and when this happen that is the meeting ground but once it is lit up we have to help it to grow this is our task if we keep throwing water keep throwing dust keep throwing smoke upon it obviously of course this fire never dies but it throw up a lot of smoke and clog agar our being choke us so it's important to help it to grow 
and how to help it help it to grow is by offering all the actions of a life we offer and what prevents the offering is this stupid minds arbitrary division into good and bad what do we do with the bad we suppress it inside it's hidden inside god should not see it if he by chance he sees what opinion he will have of us <laughs> as if he doesn't know each thing we call as bad is a good in the making or a good in the passing these are the only two ways we can understand because the origin is good satyam shivam sundaram and the end is good so whatever is bad is either a good in the passing or a good in the making that's all so we need to just offer it so by offering this fire increases go to places which have fire go to uh, inflammable material so what are those things which can increase this fire simple act reading mother and shurbindo reading books that contain that tremendous fire inside it see people take these words as um, you know they fix it in stone and say oh i must understand so i must sit with a dictionary book what is shurbindo meaning by this long sentence it's not how we read a spiritual book scripture is never read like that it it has no meaning what a scripture contains like something like savitri it's a capsule of light it contains within it's loaded with fire so when we take it that fire begins to release itself so we just open to to the scripture open to that light which is inside and we say very simply that look i can't understand this but i'm sure you know that i can't understand it so help me understand it it may sound very uh, simple but well divine doesn't complicate things our mind complicates it so when we read it like this it helps the fire to grow similarly there are places there are people whose company if we keep it helps the fire to grow equally there are places or people where we go and this fire is dulled and dimmed not that the divine is not there but he is in a very nascent stage so we have to understand where we stand in this whole journey and keep moving towards something which is better you know there is a very nice secret that the mother gives you know it comes from the idea of constant progression she says when she was a child she some many of us may be aware that she used to play tennis and uh, she left tennis for many years in between and she picked up tennis again in the ashram any idea at what age 70 when did she up till what age she actually played till 80 after that because of the yoga of the cells she withdrew can we imagine at 71 says okay i have played enough i have done enough now i need to retire she picks up this game again so she says when she used to play as a child she made sure that she plays with somebody who is better than her why because it always enthused her to play better and better whereas our psychology at this point is that we don't like the company of those who are better <laughs> we prefer the company of those who either say the same things like us we want affirmations or people who are you know it's not healthy and behind this spirit of progress there is another very profound word which is very important to practice is humility the day we think that we know and we have only to teach the world trust me that god is making a fool of us and he is having a good laugh at our expense but if we have this attitude that we don't know we are constantly knowing constantly this humility is a tremendous power to grow so it means letting this pride of the mind which has read too much information to quieten it a little and say now let me learn it it's a different kind of a knowledge it's not a knowledge which is like a you know tabloid newspaper many people read uh, shubhendra the mother like that and you know they want to understand or any book of true knowledge either they make it too serious they will go to a sacred place and read it in a humming tone that you feel sleepy or you know they make it like very casual trivial oh i read this here there balance there is it should be read from the heart with the seeking in the heart then the mantrik nature of the teaching 
begins to reveal itself to us with a state of humility that I don't know. You teach me. You have written this book. I am sure you are capable of teaching me. And then the words will reveal their truth inside from within. So this humility is so important. And finally, one more word which I would use which is very central to the practice of yoga. And let me tell it in the form of a story that three persons went partying one night and you know it was pretty late and they were drinking, they were enjoying life as one thinks of you know enjoyment and at night they tell the boatman that I want to go to the, they had gone to the other shore, I want to go back to the to my house on the other shore. So but boatman says I can't do this, it's too late but you guys if you want you can take the boat, give me the money in advance and you can take, tomorrow I'll come, I'll pick it up. So alright. So they pay the money. So night they keep steering the boat. The boat doesn't move or it moves but doesn't go forward. Whole night. So at the end they are exhausted so they sleep off. When they wake up in the morning the boatman has come and he says what is it? You guys never went? He says whole night we tried. What kind of boat you have given? It's not a good boat. You cheated us. It does, doesn't move, it moves but moves in circles. So the boatman says, obviously you didn't do a basic thing. You didn't detach it from the... It was tied up out there. So you see people want the new creation. But they keep one foot in the new creation. Not even one foot, toe of one foot. The other foot is firmly planted in the old creation. You know what happens when you put your feet in two boats and to make it worse when the boats are moving in different directions. The old creation is collapsing. Why? Because it has to go, it has to go, it has to go. We'll understand the wisdom later. <laughs> if, if the divine has decided it has to go, it has to go. On the other hand, we are not sure of putting our foot in the new creation because that requires trust, confidence, courage. In one word, to put all of us into whatever we are doing. And the word used is sincerity. If we do it with a hesitating mind, the Gita speaks of yoga is not done with a wavering mind. A little of this, a little of that. With an unhesitating mind. That Okay, this is what I want. Let me do it. What happens? Let it happen. So this sincerity, the mother says, is the key to open all doors. When we do any practice, not only this yoga, any yoga, anything in life, even in ordinary life, if I want to be successful in even in a most elementary thing, I need to do it with all my being into it. Put my heart and soul and mind. Otherwise, well, it's just a mechanical event. It doesn't really bring success. So a lot of people have this issue. How long? How? What is the practice? Before we talk about the practice, one should know, is one sincere or not? The mother used to say one very simple question that one has to answer within. And that question is, what do I want the yoga for? Do I really want it? Do I really think there is something called as the divine? Do I really believe there is a new creation possible? And am I ready to sign up for that? What is asked is not some money. That's the least important thing. One lady told me a very interesting experience while she was going in Shurabindu's room. On a birthday. No, birthdays are so special days in the ashram. And she was going to Shirobindu's room and suddenly in the room she started looking for, she had kept an envelope with money in it and uh, oh, I'll be offering so much money in the room and suddenly she can't find it. So she is, you know, searching and she's getting more and more frantically, oh my God, I have come. Is it that the Lord is not accepting my money? What wrong I have done? All these stupid thoughts. And she is a clear one, so she hears a voice. She said, it was such a life-changing experience. She hears Shurabindu's voice. You can offer money anywhere. Here you come to offer yourself. You can offer money anywhere. Here you come to offer yourself. This is the price for the new creation. Are we ready and willing to offer ourselves to the divine? With full trust that he will take us, carry us, hold us. Then we are ready for the new creation. Then everything unfolds very beautifully. 
So I should have cautioned that if you allow me to speak, it will not become an interactive session. It will become a... <laughs> and I could see HP nodding his head. <laughs> so I would like to... What... It is just a background. Okay. Let me put it like that. <laughs> so any questions on everyday practical issues that we face in life, how do we look at it from a yogic point of view and how do we deal with it from a yogic perspective? As he said, yoga is everywhere, divine is everywhere and the practice is everywhere. Any questions? If no questions, that means everybody is perfectly, you know. <laughs> Oh, sorry. You talk about sincerity. How do you develop sincerity? One simple thing that today's young generation knows is never to deceive oneself. Forget about the divine comes later. Not to tell a lie to oneself. What I am doing, I should know why I am doing it. If I don't know this much, that means I put a veil between my own truth and my nature. So I really appreciate when some youngster comes and says, Well, I am doing this job because I want to earn money. He is being honest. You know, there is a, we have these tests in, psychological tests in, um, when people are selected for pilot training, fighter pilots and all that. So the tests are designed in such a way to elicit honesty. So one of the questions that is asked to, let's say, a prospective pilot is, why do you want to join the Air Force? You know, now a person who has read a book will say, oh, you know, I want to serve my country. I want to sacrifice myself. You have failed, doesn't it? <laughs> you can say, I'm ambitious. I'm, I love this idea of flying. It's wonderful. It's acceptable. I want a good job, respectable job, perfectly fine. Maybe in one odd case it may be genuinely to serve the country, but bad luck, you know, that's how the system works. Be honest to oneself. Why I am doing what I am doing. That means we should be conscious of the motive of our actions. Very often these motives are mixed because human beings are not made of one piece. So slowly we have to Separate the wheat from the chef. Some of the things which are very dangerous when we take to yoga is ambition, for example. And now yoga has become big business. So one has to be very careful because if those things are mixed, they will not take us far, as far as the inner divinity is concerned. They may earn us name and fame and that's irrelevant. But it doesn't help us get closer to the truth. So not to tell a lie to oneself, this is one thing. And once we know what is going on inside, then never to tell a lie, never try to deceive the divine. You know, he doesn't uh, care what dress we are wearing in front of the divine. We are going in pure white dress, immaculate as the pristine purity of the Himalayas. He sees what's hiding inside, that canker. Go just as we are. We can go in shorts, we can go in any combination. He loves us just as we are, otherwise he is not divine. So this idea of putting up a show, which in new, new creation, these children, one of the things I think which everybody will agree, what is it that they don't like, they are very sure about it, and that is hypocrisy. It's going away, but they don't like hypocrisy. So we should not have hypocrisy. So these things, when we don't tell a lie to ourselves, when we don't try to deceive the divine, when we try to get rid of this hypocrisy, which means show and sham before others, how are we are all the time busy with, how are others perceiving me? We stop being authentic. We stop living our own life. How does it matter? One of the first things that yoga teaches us that we are freed from all these opinion of others. It doesn't mean that we have to now go about brandishing our views and hurting others. It doesn't mean that. But I must know what I really seek. Then, once we have taken this first step, I should be very clear why I want to go into yoga. 
This is called in Shurabindo's Yoga as central sincerity. Am I seeking it for some ambition? Am I seeking it for some other motives? Am I seeking for some reward? Am I seeking it because, oh, my guru will give me so many things. I meet so many people who are constantly busy counting countless story of miracles of their master. Of course, even in Shurabindo and the Mother's Yoga, it's, it's all right. That's our first relation. But how often do we think, what have I given to the Lord? And mother would say, there is always something that you can give. And what is that something? We are searching for our purses. No. Our breath we can give. Our time we can give. Our moments we can give. The energy that is given to us we can give. So then comes this very important that what is our central why are we really seeking the divine? If it is for some ulterior motive, if it is just to, you know, some kind of an overarching protection, like a grand patriarch who guards our gate, who fills our coffers, who makes sure that my children study very well, then we are not really seeking for transformation. We are seeking for everything else which is there in the old world, satisfies my old longings, and the divine may grant that it's he is not bound by any of the rules, but that's not the real stuff. But when we seek the divine that look, I want to be yours, I seriously want to change, then the mother says things get serious. She always used to distinguish between these two categories of people. Those who come to the divine asking. So divine gives them what they ask for. It's okay. That's one kind of relation. Those who come saying we want you, we want the change. She says, then things begin to become serious. Then he will train us. Then he will put us into the fire of purification. Then we have to reach a point where we say, Oh misfortune, blessed art thou. It's not that misfortune is going to come. <laughs> it's a very smooth process. But still, if it comes, it comes. Those who have started on the journey with this idea that I must reach right up to the end. This is sincerity. A commitment to the aspiration which one has started with. When the commitment is not there, it doesn't last long. It's like relationships which are based on only give and take. They don't last long. But when there is a commitment, that's when, you know, and commitment can go to what extent? You know, sometimes these stories are so inspiring. There was a lady who would visit a there was a man who would visit a, a lady who was in a state of dementia. I'm sure everybody knows. When you forget everything. And he would keep coming every day. Five years he was coming and feeding her and holding her hand and saying some nice things and coming back. So one day after five years, the nurse said, Sir, you're coming every day. She doesn't recognize you. I hope you know that. You could send it with someone. You know the reply of the man. He says, I know she doesn't recognize me, but I recognize her. I love her. This is the commitment that is required. Even if nothing is happening for days and weeks and months. It's not a yoga, it's not a McDonald's, um, KFC, I pay this and I get my dish and I eat it and I'm happy. It takes years and years of journey. Ask of all those who have gone before. So we should not fool ourselves into it. There is no quick fix permanent solution to life. There can be quick fix solutions which are of a very temporary nature. It's a serious engagement. So commitment is another thing. And then mother says, be transparent when you stand before the divine. Like a child. You know, child-mother relation. You may cry, but you submit yourself to the mother and the mother knows us inside out. This transparency, not to hide and then after that, when we have gone through these stages, comes the most difficult part. This central sincerity must spread into all the parts of our being. Meaning thereby, my thoughts, feelings, will, everything should be, even the bodily activity should be uplifted towards that highest state to which I aspire. And we don't need to read a book for that. We will know from deep inside, if you wish to know, that this bodily action that this kind of a will that is going on inside my head, this kind of a uh, tendency to harm someone, is it something which is going to take me closer to the divine or not? And not only that, actual experiences of life will show us that look, this kind of a thought, this kind of a feeling 
is not helping me get closer it is becoming a veil so we then steadily apply our will not that we depend only on the will but we apply our will to get rid of that tendency and when we thus apply our will even a little bit of it then there is immense grace to help us get rid of these things so that is the other part of sincerity that's this central sincerity this commitment must spread to every part of our being thoughts feelings passion will and even the bodily activity so this is the nutshell it's a long process but worth the undertaking there should be no illusions about it yoga is a long journey and uh, it's a delightful journey yes please Um, my granddaughter who goes to college uh, called me the other day and very upset. She said, uh, some of the girls got together, they talked about who goes to church, who goes to temple, who believes in what. And they argued and argued and my, my granddaughter said to them, after all, we're all children of God. One of them got up and said to her, my God is not their God. What should she have answered this person? <laughs> See, uh, Yes, this is a problem we face more and more. Uh, please be seated, ma'am. Uh, this is a problem we face more and more. My God is not your God. So be it. Simple answer. You stay with your your limited God. <laughs> I would say, I would say, <laughs> okay, you know, in in Hindi there is a saying. I'll try to translate into English. Tumhara Bhagwan tumko mubarak. Tera khuda tere ka mubarak. It means you be happy with your limited beliefs, <laughs> and God is happy in His vastness, and the two don't trouble each other, <laughs> because <laughs> you see the touch of God is very liberating. There, of course, when I say this, I must say there is no one answer. The reason why I am saying is that the answer will also depend on the spontaneity of the moment. when there is an unfolding taking place uh, i am reminded of a little story uh, you know that's why we can't uh, you know when we come out of the frame of the mind we can't say like this or that right now i am saying it as a general rule but there is a story about a lady who was um, going from pondicherry to chennai and as they were passing through the ashram the driver said madam can you please wait for few minutes i want to do pranam and come back the lady oh ignorant fellows you know what is all this pranam and come back so he goes to do pranam and this was witnessed by udar so he sees and uh, he felt like saying something but he doesn't say then in the evening he meets the mother the driver came back and they got he said mother i exercised a tremendous control over myself today ha ah, i know says when i saw this lady i felt like telling her it is far more easier to make a camel pass through the eye of a needle than to make a rich man turn to god you know from the bible and mother says full i was the one who had inspired you to say this had you said this her life may have changed so there is a certain degree of you know we have to learn to listen to this intuitive sense within us there are no same answers people are in different states of consciousness when they say this and if we are tuned to the truth within us which we should try all the time then we will say different things at different moments because that will help in the great unfolding that's our work if any it's the work of the divine but we can become transparent to that leading but in general well if you want to stay in this is now in general what one would say is different if somebody wants to stay happy in one's little cocoon it's all right is the caterpillar when it when the time comes for the caterpillar to become a butterfly it will surely start feeling the restrictions and limitations of the cocoon and it'll happen one day to everybody see we get very uh, sometimes with religions we get very bit impatient because the age of religions is over look at the history of religions any idea how many religions have been there in this world we'll count 5 or 6 maybe 10 14 yeah any idea any any random number random number 500 let's multiply it by 8 4200 
Where are they? See, God advances forward. <laughs> Consolidated. No, this, this is like, you know, they go away. Look at the Norse religion, the Greek myths and many others which we have seen in our own age pass away. So, religion is a prop and a time comes when humanity is ready for the next step and it will be taken away from those who are ready because they are ready for something else. But if they are not ready, imagine a child who is in kindergarten. He suddenly told, you know, it's all, you aspire from within. He will say, very good, I am not going to go to school, I am going to just enjoy life. So, you know, you go through the schooling. Religion is a form of schooling. Even ideologies are a form of schooling. The ideology and religion stand on the same footing. There's no difference. So there are some religions which make a show of no religion. Religion of no religion. <laughs> religion without God. You are in the same mental hole. That's it, actually. And you think that you are somebody great. You will be pushed out because that's the nature of life. Today or tomorrow, we will be forced to push out of our little comfort zones in which we have knowingly, unknowingly, blindfoldedly shut ourselves. And uh, then we will cry, God, thou art cruel. All our life we kept saying, you are merciful. <laughs> it's okay. So we shouldn't worry about Others, I feel that's the best way. Let them be happy with whatever they, they want to believe in. You mentioned about humility. My understanding about humility is, humility means everything is brand new. Everyone is brand new. Every day is a, is a new day. That's why if you meet any person, whatever we have preconceived ideas or judgment, we suspend that and we consider it's brand new. The person might have changed. It's a beautiful way. Yes, so the word we will use for it, otherwise it's a very beautiful thing by the way. Not to be judgmental and to deal each moment as something unique. It's a very beautiful thing. Uh, the word we will normally, we can use this, it's a question of you know how we put a meaning in certain words. So we may use the word humility but it's more a state of openness towards the all knowledge which is coming. Humility is a state where we Understand that all our understanding, all our knowledge that we hold is nothing compared to what more is yet to come. So what you are saying is a shade of that. And certainly it's one of the ways that one can... Um, for me it works this way that, you know, always there is a great unfolding going on and it's tremendous, it's infinite and there's no, no end to that. So any system of belief that we construct... Uh, I, I'll put it like that because there are people who live with constructed belief systems though they are um, okay you know when they deal with others they are uh, kind of non-judgmental in a certain sense but all belief systems are constructs so either we have to go past the belief system into the realization which they represent that's what yoga is or we have to understand its relative unimportance it's going to it's just my construct for the moment it helps me to navigate through life the mind needs a prop to hold to but a time comes when this is going to crash that's when we open to infinity and when we open to infinity then humility comes it really comes because you discover that there is no end to it it's the sense of the infinite before us that gives us humility yes I, for one, have one foot in the old world and the other foot in the new world. And so how does one gather the courage to put both feet in? Yes, that's the condition of most of us. You know, there is a one foot in the old world and one foot in the new world. How do we have the courage to... Um, what is needed really is the trust that when I put both my feet in the new world, because new world is unknown. See, this is something which we know, seem to know, but the new world is unknown. It's not, you know, though we try to reduce it to a set of constructs, but it's not a construct. It's something yet coming up. Its structure is very plastic, very vast, very luminous. What gives the courage is trust. Trust in the Divine Mother. Surrender. Surrender is what a baby does teaches us, you know, children teach us so many things. So when 
a father, I think mothers also do it. I don't know in, I'm sure USA it is done. It's a universal thing. But in India, one of the ways they play with the baby is throw the baby up in the air. Have you seen that? What does the baby do? Laughs. Laughs. He wants it more and more. Why does he laugh? It's a damn dangerous situation. <laughs> Your dad or mom may just collapse. You don't know. He may have a heart attack. Geometry. Everything is against you. <laughs> but he says, no, my dad, it's out there. He loved me. He will do everything to make sure, you know. And so the game becomes joyous. So what it needs is we should ask for more faith. As I said, pray. We pray for all kinds of things. Let's pray for faith. Give me more faith. Give me more trust. Give me the confidence of a little child. So all this uh, is needed to develop when we take the other foot also and put it in the new world. There is a reason why this takes time. Because we may not also be ready to put both the feet in the new world. It can be very disorienting. Because it's not moving in a direction in which we want the new world to be. You know, we want the new world means uh, a set of things. We are still having the belief system. And we are seeing the world change and collapse. And we still cherish those things. And we still want those things. But new world doesn't have any of that. Because it's something very new. It's, it's completely, it's, Mother says, it's not just a new conception of life. It's a new world, a new world, it's born, 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 it's an infancy. So, you know, we take that plunge. And when we take the plunge with the full confidence that there is arms which are going to hold us, then it becomes possible. And it should be done only at a stage when it's imperative, it will come, something will push us. Mother's way is something like, you know, the mother cat, she gives that story, that you know how a mother cat teaches the baby cat. She jumps and asks the baby cat to jump. It doesn't say in so many words but looks back. So baby cat doesn't jump. It's you know not sure. So she comes back. Does a little bit play again jumps. Now the baby cat tries but again falls back. So this happens a few times. So what does the mother cat do after a time? It comes, pushes this baby cat. Oh my God, you cruel mother. <laughs> Next it lands upon a safe branch. <laughs> so this is the final formula of the divine. <laughs> that he takes the other foot himself and puts it there. <laughs> but we should do it happily. It should be a joyous leap in the air. She has said this incidentally. When you come to yoga... You should be willing to let go of all scaffoldings and hang with nothing except your faith. And then she uses the phrase, your country, your family, your everything is there, the divine. It's, it's, it's a willingness to hang in thin air. And she gives the example of a man who landed at, uh, came to India for the first time. Uh, and as he is moving from the boat, to the land, a very favorite pen that he cherished, apart from being a gold pen, but a special gift, it fell down into the sea. Now you see, look at the perspectives. Somebody would say, oh my God, they told me India is a land of yogis and gurus. They can't even save my pen. How are they going to save my soul? This one perspective. But he says something else. He says, but obviously, I have come here to discover my soul. So the first lesson I have got, let go of other things. So it's a way of looking at it. And that makes the difference between the marked out and one who is still struggling. The struggle is there for everybody for a long time. Not always, but for a long time it is there. But a time comes when the other leg is first in the thin air and then on the <laughs> other boat. Or rather on the sea surfing. There is no boat out there. It's a sea in which one surfs. Anything else? Yes, please.
um, along those lines of letting things go. Now, can you speak about uh, rejection? You spoke about um, aspiration. I was wondering. Yes. Yes. Uh, aspiration, rejection, surrender. This is the triple labor in Shurabindu Yoga. So people ask, what is the method? This is the method given by Shurabindu originally. Plenty of methods have come now. People teach all kinds of things under the name of Shurabindu's integral yoga. But original writings of Shurabindu and the mother is the triple labor. This is the word he has used. The tri- what the sadhaka is expected to do is the triple labor of aspiration, rejection and surrender. That's all that is required. So aspiration is the easier part. Surrender looks like the easiest part. but <laughs> Surrender means to obey the divine now. Surrender literally means that my will is no more mine but yours. So between aspiration and surrender comes rejection. See, otherwise, uh, of course, Shobhinder has also said integral yoga begins with surrender and ends with surrender. In the sense that there is a central surrender, acceptance. And then it grows and eventually ends with detailed surrender. But in between comes rejection. Now rejection means that we keep away from us. Slowly we begin to navigate away from the old life in which the divine was either a remote somewhere afar or he was something, you know, as a side dish. There is the whole life here. Now as we go through life, we begin to discover that there are, to start with, that there are activities and actions, whether words or thoughts or feelings that suddenly come as a veil that make the consciousness very dense, gross. We have to make a self-study. And we start keeping them. There is an effort and the effort is an effort of will. It's not always easy because that's the way our body and mind has been programmed with. You know, if you see the list of surrender, it's very difficult. It's not just surrender of the vital element but also of ideas, opinions, viewpoints. So the mother at one place makes it very easy because it's the most difficult part of the yoga. It's the, it's the passage during which our purification is made thorough and complete. It takes years and years. In fact, once the aspiration is lit, the rejection starts, it takes at least 12 years of sustained effort before one can arrive at something. And still there will be parts in nature which are like recalcitrant elements which will come. So to help surrender, to help rejection, one of the practices which is there is equanimity. It's again a very difficult practice. Equanimity, to learn to accept life, things, people, everything without rushing on, impulsively to act. If we allow a few moments between us and the action, we will see that many things will become aware of, conscious of, which we know, you know, need to be uh, kept aside. But most importantly, the mother, being the mother, knowing the difficulty of her children, she says in one of the places, those who want to read, uh, it's in volume 2 of her collected works, because people, oh is it she has said like this? Yes, she has said, not rejection but offering. And then she says, what prevents offering is the idea of good and bad. She makes it even more clear. How can I offer this? I am prone to lust. Can I offer my lust? Yes, of course. I am prone to anger. What do I do with my anger? Mother does not like. Offer it to her. She is there for that. In fact, she goes on to say, bear your own burden. That's what is meant in the Bible as, bear your own cross. That is a cross we all bear and we offer it to the divine. We have the faith that she will uh, take it away. More practically, what I have found very useful in practices to remember her as often as we can even when in the beginning as the Gita puts it we will be driven by the past momentum of nature you know, we have read okay anger should not be there and we are driven by a strong force of anger we know it should not be there when the storm is going and we are going tumbling here and there something within us knows it should not be there it begins to subside and we offer and we pray that, you know, let it not come again. It happens again and we pray. We'll see that the intensity, the frequency begins to become, the intensity becomes lesser and the frequency becomes more and more. I mean, in the sense that long periods elapse. And then when the actual action is going on, we'll become conscious and we'll 
start calling her in the middle of the action even while the anger is overtaking us something in us there is a separation and that begins to call her ma this is not me this is not what i want to be shobindo gives it uh, gives one of the practices in the synthesis says to stand back and say this is not me this is not what i want what we do instead is that we say oh my god i am like this so horrible so that's the way edwards forces act and they make us enter into the loop of a guilt trip it's very dangerous there is no place of guilt in yoga it has a place in religion because the priest feeds on your guilt <laughs> but yoga there is no guilt it's a mechanism of nature science study it not that oh it's a mechanism so perfectly fine no, i have to get rid of it but i must understand it i must master it guilt is the one which makes it shobindo gives a very nice little example in a letter he tells niroda it's okay now if you fall get up wash brush your pants and walk don't sit there cursing the road and cursing your feet and saying oh i am a fallen one i am unfit i am no good that makes it worse so the moment we start walking we are one we are moving forward which brings us out of the zone in which fear and anger and lust and all these things are uh, the whole thing is to walk as soon as possible get out of that zone you know you are caught up in a land of fear where you know we are feeding anger so we must try to come out of that zone so if there has been an anger there has been a lowering of consciousness the moment it is gone sit down sit and concentrate aspire not with that oh my god oh my no aspire quietly let there be peace slowly the peace will begin to enter into these parts and then there will be a clearing wider and wider clearing after some time we will see that all these things have gone from our nature but they are there in the environment so what happens is sometime they will attack that's another phase of yoga when we have to be careful how the people we meet sometime we are doing all this on ourselves but we are undoing it in india one of the simplest ways of undoing the yogi gains is going for a marriage attending a marriage ceremony i think fortunately it's not so prevalent here in india you don't go to relatives marriage you are like but it's dangerous because when we interact when we go into an atmosphere which is full of desires full of all kinds of things expectations it's not good because you know we are it's coming back from the environment so a time comes when we can actually see it comes from the environment enters takes soul then goes away you are left untouched it doesn't stain even a drop and then when we keep on rejecting even from the environing consciousness then it leaves us one day for good it's a long process one should be prepared it's a long battle yoga is not for the you know as they say those who cannot persevere there is one word in the upanishad dhira so we should be persevering in nature if thousand times it comes back we should get up and be ready to walk a thousand and one times the victory comes to the most enduring okay i think um, we have endured too much of this afternoon talk <laughs> it's time no or if any last question we can take yes any last question yes ladi i always wonder how one can offer or even aspire or even surrender when you speak all this when we do not have the presence now we must have presence before we do anything of this so uh, how we can surrender aspire reject or do any of these things without the presence so one starts with faith obviously it's it's like a you know a quiz which turns if we don't aspire and don't surrender the presence presence is there but we don't know it let's put it like that we are not aware of it at the same time when we the more we do it the more the presence will grow so there is a truth in that that's why in all classical yoga i'm leaving for a moment gyan yoga aside you know it's it uh, we have the human representative of the divine presence which is within so while it is difficult to start with to contact the presence inside 
it's much easier to and you know we are so fortunate mother said i am there in my photographs she literally made it so easier so we start by discovering the presence in a photograph or in a picture or in a book whatever you know outside and within we take it as faith it starts like that and then we go ahead so she is there and we all go through that phase when you know she is there in at least i have gone through that that mother and shurbindo many of my early experiences came from the photographs suddenly i would see mother and shurbindo shurbindo one stepping out of the photograph now that's a stage when you go through then there is another phase when it's okay i mean you don't need a photograph because the one whom you adore outside is within you but then still you bow before the photograph not because it's not a question of need or not need now that become picture becomes the uh, representative of a deeper reality which you have discovered within you so it's a greater joy initially it is something you hold on to so we have to start with that that presence is inside we start with faith till it grows it takes long in um, yoga of ashupati we seen canto 3 through this waxing and waning he grew into the perfect integer of his soul slowly in his breast a presence grew it takes time um, otherwise we start with something more tangible something more outside that's why these helps are there sometimes it's good to create an atmosphere of a presence before we can discover inside and one of the simple ways for that is uh, at least i found very useful was just putting mother's music or savitri music or sunil das music which by the way i am sure i hope everybody knows but some of us may not know first time we are listening so mother used to um they see has given so many aids to help us one of them is mother's music so the music was meant to create the higher bring down the higher energies and establish it in the atmosphere so when we listen to this music i mean i have practiced it putting sometimes half a day whenever uh, gone through a inner distress not outer when you are dealing with your own nature then put it let it grow in that atmosphere so this is how that presence begins to build around and surround us and a time comes when it does become we are completely conscious of it and it's never veiled but that's how one starts yes what's your advice on the limits to which we help of other or elder Uh, I mean, in Russia, in Brazil, in uh, Colombia, typically centers would have charismatic leader and the talk, and he would give directions to everybody. What's your advice? What's your my advice? Honest advice is it's very dangerous. Charismatic leaders. If you can stay away, you are very safe. Many of them carry within them a vital influence, which is very tantalizing. it can give us a feeling of support if we are truly saying that there is the divine mother and she can take care of everything it means she can take care of everything that's the thing what does shurbindo say in, in the yoga he says let nothing and nobody no power come between you and the mother how can there be place of any mini guru in integral yoga in integral yoga it is no place at all Yes we are all friends on the way we are co travelers somebody may be two feet ahead or behind that too we don't know it may be our ignorance <laughs> in our idiocy we talk about you know uh, but we are friends yes and we each help each other when you know we go through various things we have that relation of shobinda even goes on to say he is a child among children so charismatic leaders very dangerous you know it reminds me of the channel i most dislike to see in india aastha channel i don't know whether you people you see those gurus sitting on top with malas flowing here 7 feet above the ground i love krishna who loves to come down and play and sport with us i love shiva who can enter into the house and say i want food will you offer me that's my idea of the divine with which i have grown I love the idea of the divine as Rama, who says, "Okay, I take your burden. I'll go and fight your battle." Where has all this come from? I don't know. 
Mother in Shurabindo, mother, she would play, she, look at her activities. It's amazing. If Shurabindo withdrew, it was not a withdrawal in the sense of some Himalayan austerity. It was because of a certain kind of work. And the mother, she would walk amongst people, play with the children, go to the tennis ground. Even recently I saw a lovely small little video clip of mother playing tennis. I mean, this is the kind of divine uh, that we have learned from those who have gone before us. Charismatic leaders, I know, who have come up and uh, Shurabindo cautioned against them. In evening talks, he speaks about them, speaks about men with strong vital influence upon masses of mankind. But he also says that in the coming age, we won't have all this because there will be an uprising. The masses have to awaken to that presence. How long we are going to have this? So my take is stay away as far as possible. I personally like to you know, stay miles away from people who claim to be intermediaries between Shurabindra and the mother and us. And I am saying that all earnestness, sincerity and uh, commitment to Mother and Shurabindo from all that I have learned through all their writings and teachings and practice of yoga. We don't need anyone. And if we think we need someone, we are still not ready. The mother knows her work and she is quite capable of taking us as we are and leading us and I am saying this with the experience of 35, 40 years of 35 plus years of into this yoga without having the privilege of seeing her with these eyes. So it's not like, okay, you had seen the mother. No, I had not seen the mother with these eyes in this life. But I can tell you, you need no one. Okay. Strong words, but <laughs> I must say what? is the truth that as I see it.